and just the biggest thing like I was saying is just appreciate the moment you're in uh, because the sport doesn't last for ages um, and you don't want to look back on those moments and almost forget how it felt to be in that moment because going back to mindfulness you weren't present in it that was Matt Baxter and this is Dug It the podcast episode 57 of dug it with the mighty matt baxter and i love that little piece of wisdom at the start from matt about being in the moment one step at a time enjoying the journey that really is the secret to life as eckhart tolle would say in his very profound way that the power all the power is found in the present moment and it's something i'm really trying to work on myself and i think it's the highest form of living to be present to align your thinking mind your soul your heart to be just kind of in in flow in oneness and uh, it was a real treat to sit down with Matt the podcast came very serendipitously I was following my own advice of thinking less and experiencing more and I saw a, a young man at the airport on my way flying back to Auckland and he had this contraption like a rollerblade device and I asked him what it was and it's kind of these rollerblade wheels that used for recovery and, uh, and Matt mentioned he was off to the World Cross Country Championships in Denmark. And I, I just thought, what a great story. I have to ask him, you know, find out more and get him on the podcast. So next thing you know, we're, we're having a chat on Skype. And uh, I've had a great fascination with running, uh, particularly since the book by Christopher McDougall called Born to Run. And it really kind of goes into detail on that DNA of running that that natural instinct for all humans to, to run and the joy of it. There's Mexican tribes in the tribes in the Talamahari Desert that would run just for fun for hundreds of Ks and they'd wear these beautiful barefoot sandals and I, I got a couple of pairs of those myself and really started getting to the trail running and managed to come across uh, Scott Jurek. He's got a great book, Eat and Run, and uh, he's one of the world's great ultra-distance runners of all time and just such a humble, beautiful being, man, runner. And it was a real treat to meet and run with Scott. And then uh, more recently, I read uh, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. And, and again, that dived into the history of running. And all these books often link back to New Zealand's running history, how we were the one of the first countries, if not the first, to have a kind of recreational running culture around jogging and running as a pastime, as a hobby. And Phil Knight really took that back to America and, and used that passion to, to, to found Nike. And I guess the rest is history there, but that's a great book. Um, so I was really interested to sit down with Matt. If, if you're a top runner, athlete, uh, anyone, you've got, you've got to go deep into some dark caves and challenge yourself. And I was just out on the bike recently in the weekend and, and just climbing up the Matacana Hill and there's nowhere to hide and don't want to give up and you're just telling that 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 monkey mind to to shut up and you you're, you're breathing deep and and then and then you just find this blissful state where you're right at your threshold and the feeling afterwards is just bliss and I think that's what we're all chasing and Matt's obviously chasing it through running and uh it also echoed a sentiment of of Joe Rogan, he's got a great podcast with Aubrey Marcus they just released and Joe was talking about if you don't choose your own suffering, if you don't challenge yourself, then then life will serve up some doozies for you. <laughs> they won't always be the ones you want. And uh, I find that so true if I'm doing my yoga practice, I'm, I'm meditating, I'm doing those real intense physical challenges and, and challenging all aspects of my life, then then everything else seems a bit of a breeze. But as soon as I let those go, then it seems all these petty things pop up. So hopefully you've got plenty of challenges on your plate at the moment. And uh, this podcast will inspire you to put a few more on there. A uh, little background to Matt. He was uh, from New Plymouth Boys High School. So he's Taranaki hardcore, <laughs> like like yours happily. That's me. And um, 
and he had the best ever performance by a New Zealand man at the NCA Cross Country Championships. And so that's like the biggest race in the United States at college. And he had a rich kind of pedigree in running with his dad, Rob, a former 220 marathon runner. And now he's running uh, full-time professionally, which I just found out. So that's fantastic to have someone running uh, full-time as a professional from New Zealand and, um, and really doing it with such love and humility and uh, just passion, as you'll hear on the podcast. So without further ado, here is the man himself, Mr. Matt Baxter. Hey man, how's it going? Good, good. Uh, how's the weekend been for you, brother? Uh, yeah, dude, not bad so far. Just been pretty cruisy. Haven't got up to a lot. Are you uh, are you in the states at the moment or NZ? I was just uh, I hadn't even checked. Yeah, dude, I'm in uh, I'm in Auckland now. Oh yeah, how, how long are you back for? Yeah, so I'll be back here until late June, and then I'm heading overseas after that, heading back to the US. Oh, cool. So for those um, who aren't familiar with you, because you've been running and uh, studying in the in the States now over in, uh, where was it, Northern, Northern Arizona? Um, yeah, yeah, Flagstaff, Arizona, yep. Yeah, so what's your what's your kind of because you're starting to do criminology as well and and running for the college obviously. So what's your kind of uh, lifestyle at the moment between New Zealand and the states and and running and everything? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I um so I guess I finished college in December last year. Uh, so I was over there for three years at Northern Arizona University and and so for the past few months I've been back in New Zealand and, and sorting out visa stuff. And, uh, once, once my visa gets all sorted, then I'll be heading back to Flagstaff, uh, to run with, um, a group that I joined over there, Hoka Northern Arizona elite. Um, and so I'll be back there sometime after June to, to continue training with the team over there. So will that be, is that a college team or is that a professional team or what, what's, What's that? Yeah, look like? so that's a professional team. Okay, and Hoka Hoka's the sponsor, I'm guessing. Yeah. 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 Oh neat. So will you be finished your studies or will you be working or studying as well or Yeah, mate, yeah. So I was um I guess I got my bachelor's end of two thousand seventeen and then I was I was halfway through my masters in December two thousand eighteen when I finished my eligibility in terms of my ability to be able to compete for NAU um, in the collegiate system. So I basically just put my master's on hold a year into it, um, joined the professional group and flag staff. And, and so at the moment, I'm, I'm just running, thankfully. Running is my, my job at this point, and I can, um, I can live off of that. So, yeah, just running, no studying or, or any other kind of work at the moment. Oh, that's, a, that's amazing because I... Uh, I can't imagine it's a hugely um, lucrative sport in, in in terms of the world, but I guess at the top level in anything, there's uh, sponsors and teams, and I guess I guess it must be quite strong in, in the states, is it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, that was one of the big reasons of going over to the US when I did was. Uh, there's just a, a lot of opportunities post university to be able to continue uh, to be able to continue running. Um, and in the US, there's a lot of professional groups that they have, and they it seems to be every couple of years that they're even having a couple more groups um, pop up there. So uh, it's definitely something which once you get to a certain level over there, you can turn it into a job, and it's something you can you can run professionally till. I mean, if you're a long distance guy, you could be mid thirties doing this as your job, and then. Uh, but in saying that, it's not something where there is a lot of money in it. So, uh, and it is it is hard to get a contract. You have to be pretty close to um, being in a certain sector in the world of 
of where you're competing. So um, it's it's definitely not a, an easy thing to do, but. Uh, and even even once you do get that contract and you're in that position, I mean, you have to keep performing or else uh, you can lose that contract pretty quickly if you're not. So um, it's not not the easiest sport in the world when it comes to that, but it's it's something I love doing, so I, I do it regardless. Yeah, that's a, that's amazing to turn that um to turn that passion into a profession and. Uh, but I know you commented on on turning professional and losing the fun in the sport, and and I don't know if you've read that book, Born to Run. Have you read that one? No, I'm I'm very aware of it, but no, I, I have not read it. Oh, I think in the in the book it said when um, when running became a pre- professional sport, uh, all the times in I think it was a two ten marathon. I think there was a, a whole handful of people that could run sub that in america and then as soon as the sport went professional no one could run it in the country and it was um mm-hmm. really interesting like i was wondering how do you keep the because i'd imagine you'd be doing a lot of hours like 100 200k in between there in terms of mileage wouldn't you and then um what's your what's your balance <laughs> what's what do you do to balance it out at the moment yeah definitely yeah um Thankfully, running is one of those sports where you you can only train so much in a day. Uh, if, if for example, I, I was doing cycling, I mean, you could be on the bike for six or seven hours a day. Um, whereas for running, because it's such a high-impact sport, you can – I mean, you could be doing a double. You're running morning and afternoon, but how much time you're actually spending running in a day, you, you could be maybe – a bit over two hours, maybe three hours maximum sort of, sort of thing. So you also incorporate gym recovery, um, any kind of rehab, prehab into that. And that starts to fill up your day. Uh, but for me, I'm, I'm, this is what I love doing. Um, and even when I, when I was in college, I was, I was treating myself as if I was a professional athlete then anyway, because to perform it at a high level, which I really wanted to do. I, I had to treat it not necessarily like it was a job, but, um, that this was something which I was going to put a lot of time and a lot of effort into. And actually the nice thing about coming out of college now is that I don't have to study as well. That, that was probably the hardest thing was, running almost full time and then studying as well. And so now I'm in a position where I can just run. Um, it's actually, if anything, a lot more freeing um, and I actually feel a lot better within myself, just being able to put more time into my sport and into my recovery. Uh, so right now I'm, I'm in a really happy place with, with it um, being my job, but also just something which I love doing. Yeah. And that's uh that's fantastic because I, um, when I bumped into you and I saw you with that kind of rollerblade uh, rehab <laughs> contraption, and I thought, well, this guy's interesting. And then you mentioned you were doing the cross country um, world champs, and you come from Taranaki, and I, I remembered your name from Boys High, maybe just seeing it in the paper, New Plymouth Boys High. Um, but yeah, I was interested in and. In, I saw uh, like Prefontaine's movie and mm-hmm. um, did some run training with friends just for football and different things, but I never really uh, kind of had any friends in the in the running professional just professional running world. Um, so I was really interested to hear your insights, particularly because you're focusing on that kind of ten thousand meter cross country and track. Is that right, or do? You, try and compete in a few other distances as well or um. yeah i'm at the moment i'm i'm mostly sort of 5k 10k on the track that uh that world cross country was just a nice opportunity for me to to still do a cross country race but as you move out of high school and move out of uh university or college um there's a lot there's definitely fewer opportunities to race cross country so my main focus at least through this year is going to be 5k 10k and uh, maybe doing a little bit of stuff on the road, maybe throw a, a half marathon in or, or do some, some 10Ks on the road or something like that. But that's at the moment, that's sort of my, my sweet spot in there. 
Yeah, neat. And because um, what what's the what's the the dream? Is it is it the the Olympics? That a world championship? Because uh, um, I remember seeing a little documentary on those Robinson twins who moved to. Did they move to Kenya and start training? Yeah, they did, yeah. Yeah, it's a really neat story. And I guess you're kind of moving away as well and high altitude and mm-hmm. and finding a group is there um is there like a big dream behind it or you just take it one step at a time to excuse the pun yeah i uh when i when i first went to college in the u.s uh i i was doing that because i wanted to continue doing my sport for as long as i could and ideally i wanted to leave it with a pro contract that was because going over to the u.s you put a I mean, you're leaving your family and you're leaving your home country and there's a lot of things you're you're kind of leaving behind to go over there um, for admittedly an, an amazing opportunity. Um, but I'm not going to go over there and settle for anything less than being able to continue my sport post-college. Uh, so, so I was over there training my butt off, doing every single thing I could, uh, so that once I finished, I could have that professional contract and I could potentially stay in the US. And thankfully, I can stay in Flagstaff where I've lived for these past three years. Um, but it, like you were saying, you don't you don't see a lot of um, even professional runners around New Zealand or uh, it's not surprising that you don't necessarily have, have any within your circle because in New Zealand in particular um, – it can be hard just because we have a, a smaller population and we don't have the collegiate system like what the U.S. has. So it makes it harder for us to develop athletes like some other areas in the world. And in saying that, we have uh, clubs throughout New Zealand. We have Athletics New, uh, Athletics New Zealand who are doing a lot of things to really try and boost Athletics New Zealand to, to make the country a place where athletes can stay and you can uh, develop the develop them to a high level, uh, but definitely at least at the moment you see a lot of athletes dispersing, going overseas, going to the collegiate system. You have the Robertsons going to Kenya. Um, just I mean, we're going all over, just striving for this goal of we want to keep running and we want to run at a really high level and represent New Zealand. And and yeah, ultimately the goal is I, I want to go to the Olympics. I want to run at the World Champs, and I want to. Have, have that black singlet on and represent New Zealand. Um, and when I made the decision to, to go pro after my time at college, that was that was the goal. I'm doing that because I want to go to the Olympics. Oh, that's amazing. I, lo- I love the, the passion just for, for running, but it's, I didn't realize that how, how rich our history was in running too with Arthur Lydiard and, and how um, Phil Knight from Nike came over and saw that there were jogging and running clubs in New Zealand and that it was a, that was a hobby in New Zealand, <laughs> unlike yeah. kind of any other part of the world. And um, like, where do you think the passion for you came from? Cause your dad, your, I heard your dad was a top, a top runner and mm-hmm. man, there's some great trails in Taranaki. I don't know if you've got any favorite trails or um, that you might like to mention, but um, when did, did he get into it through other sports or you just love to run or, yeah, I think I, I I I did other sports when I was younger. I, I started off playing cricket and moved into soccer and then moved into rugby. And then from rugby, I joined the New Plymouth Boys High School cross-country team. And at that point in time, it was being led by uh, Paul Dominikovic. And I think New Plymouth Boys High School was really lucky that we had someone like Paul uh, looking after the team there because he was someone who brought – a passion to the sport um, and to developing the athletes there that not a lot of schools in New Zealand, I would say, have. Uh, So I was really lucky to go to Boys High at the time when he was there because it meant that I suddenly started to develop this passion for running, which I I never had. And maybe had I gone to a different school, I I wouldn't have had the benefit um, of sort of being involved in. And so it was throughout my time at Boys High, I joined that cross-country team in, in year nine, and and in my year 13 year, I um, won the New Zealand Secondary Schools cross-country, I won the New Zealand Secondary Schools uh, 
3,000 metres on the track, um, breaking a 21-year-old record there, running 8.15. And so by the time I finished high school, my... Uh, something which I I started off doing just because I thought like oh this is a this could be a fun team to be on and I knew a couple of guys on the boys high cross country team and and then I ended up finishing um, with this this love for the sport I never had uh, six years prior uh, I don't I don't think running is something people do or you get into it when you're younger because it's it's the fun sport to do. Uh, it's running can be hard when, when you're racing, if you're, if you're putting everything out there, it, it's, especially when you're younger, it's not necessarily an enjoyable experience. It's not like you're running around the soccer field or running around the rugby field where I know you, you're kind of constantly doing something and you have teammates with you and you're scoring goals and you're cheering and, and everything like that, like running, requires a certain amount of focus it requires a lot of composure and if you have a bad day you could be out there for even when you're in high school you might be out there for 10 minutes hurting worse than you've you've ever heard in a race before in your life and so it's it's an interesting sport in that respect where it's hard to get kids when they were young when they're younger really passionate about it because a lot of people just use it as a supplement to other sports. Uh, but thankfully in New Plymouth, it was, it was a great place to run. And, and I spent a lot of time in Pukkara Park there uh, doing laps. And uh, my family was, was very active. My, my sister, even now, she's in the, the uh, Central Hines cricket team. So she's still performing at a really high level there. Um, my brother was, was doing a lot of running as well and doing badminton and my mom was a, um, track and field athlete. My dad was a a 220 marathon runner. So we had fitness kind of running through the family and, and I ended up choosing running, I guess, in the end. Oh yeah. That brings back some memories of running the New Plymouth Boys High School cross country through the graveyard and down through, (laughs) through the river. Um, but yeah, for me, I was always playing football, uh, soccer, and then it was like, oh, this will be fun, a bit of competition to see who you can beat in the soccer team and where you could place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was always brutal, like so brutal. Like, um, And I was just out doing a bike ride today and there's that, there's just nowhere to hide. And I was listening to Joe Rogan and he said, if you don't kind of choose your own suffering, life will give you some. And, um, mm-hmm. and I feel like sport, particularly sports like cycling, running, where you're just by yourself out there, even yoga, you're, you're just kind of mentally don't have room to think about anything else. What, like what, what's the, the buzz that fuels you? Is it the competition? Is it just the headspace you get into? Um, is there a particular joy of just being in nature or just peeling around a track? Uh, or is it hard to put into words? I don't know. Yeah, um, it definitely. The the older I've gotten, okay, I'm I'm 24 now, almost 25 in August. Um, uh, the longer I spend in the sport and and the older I get, the the more I start appreciating different aspects of running. Uh, so when I was younger, the the things I appreciated and liked about it was uh, when our team did well or when I one or placed high in a race when I ran a PB, uh, sort of things where like, it's, it's kind of obvious when you perform well, uh, that was the stuff which motivated me to run. But now I, I get a, a real sense of enjoyment out of, uh, performing in a workout like I've never done before, uh, running, a, um, running trails that I haven't done before. Um, just things where kind of like what you're saying you start appreciating what's around you and you start um honing in on this quite narrow headspace where you're just focusing on the now and what you're doing and so as a runner I think it's important because you're not going to have those those wins every single day or those big hypes around races and all that kind of stuff so you have to start appreciating those little things and I think I I do a good job at that now uh, but 
if if you run for long enough, I would say even the level that I'm at now, like I could I could run for two and a half hours, I could cover 30, 35k or something in that time, and and finish feeling like I've I've run for half an hour or something. Like just where my body is at at the moment, you can. It's a really nice feeling when you can run for a really long period of time, and even at the end, like I could be. I could start really picking it up and start really moving and finish with this big high, this big sort of like adrenaline rush and almost feel like I, I haven't even run at the end of it. So there's, there's aspects like that, which kind of make you crave running almost. And it almost turns it into a, almost like a drug in some respects. Cause you, you get such a high from it. Yeah. To experience your body and, what it's capable of at that level. I remember um, training for a half Ironman and doing some half marathons, and then after the event, you, like you say, you can go for a run or or a bike or whatever, and you you can just cruise, and it's mm-hmm. it's an amazing feeling. Um, what well, like kind of in that space because everyone's got different attributes which make them great at what they do like do you think you've got a particular superpower as it were in terms of determination or your body size or the fact that you just love the sport is there anything that you think makes you particularly great at at running yeah i um there's probably several things at play that enable me to be at, at the level I am at and be in a position where I, I love the sport like I do. Uh, without a doubt, I, I have a certain body type which um, helps to be a runner. Like I'm uh, 100, 172 centimetres tall. I weigh about 57 kg. Um, and so body type, I I kind of fit the mold of being a runner um, and which, which definitely helped because with whatever sport you're going into um, there's certain body types, which you kind of want to have, um, which at least help you perform at a higher level. Um, and so with running, I'm kind of perfect. I, I wouldn't, I shouldn't say perfect, but I'm in an ideal range to be a, a 5k runner up to probably like a marathon. Um, whereas I would say I don't necessarily have the build to be a really good 800 meter runner. Um, I would love to be an 800 meter runner or even a 1500 meter runner. Uh, but sometimes that takes a certain amount of strength or a certain amount of speed, which at least I should say right now, you never want to throw limits on yourself, but right now I don't have, um, even I, I look at sprinters and I think man, I would, I would love to be able to cover a hundred meters and the pace that those guys do, but physically my body is not going to allow me to do that. I don't quite have the the power. Um, yet again, you would have a sprinter who might look at how fast I can run a 10 K and think, wow, that must be cool to, to keep that pace up for that, that longer period of time. Um, yeah. Cause the, I remember in, um, in physical studies, you got you kind of got fast twitch, slow twitch fibers, and a mix mm-hmm. in between, and you can kind of train it to a certain extent. Did they do they kind of test you for that in collegiate, or you just kind of happen to slowly find your niche distance, or is it mentors that help guide you for the where you should focus your energy? Yeah, so we don't necessarily do specific tests to find that out. I would say usually by the time you get to college, you you sort of know around about what distance you're going to be best at, um, whether you're, you've just tended to have done well at the longer distance or you've tended to do well at the, the shorter distance. Um, but I think if you – you also have a lot of runners who have a great range uh, – I mean, you have an outlier, for example, like Mo Farah, who can be one of the best 1,500-meter runners in the world while also being one of the best marathon runners in the world. And and you see that to a, a lesser extent um, within the collegiate system, but you have guys who can still run a 1,500 real well and, and run a, a 10K cross really well. Uh, 
but then once you start going lower than that, like once you start going to that more fast twitch fibers, then um, that's a that's a whole different ball game. Um, yeah. Yeah, because what does your you're mentioning like the gym and some of the other training you do, which um, I'm really fascinated in. Like, what is your what kind of uh, how do you supplement your training? Is it is it like specific weight exercises? Do you do um, like other sports, swimming, or something to balance it out? Like, what what would your other other work to try and get that edge look like? Yeah, so with with running, basically, you just you're doing the exact same thing over and over. So you tend to just work certain muscles. And so when we go to the gym, for example, we're targeting running specific muscles, but also sometimes we're targeting things that we're not going to strengthen through just running. Uh, so a gym program will incorporate things like strengthening your core, uh, even strengthening aspects of your back because you don't want your core to be too tight, your back not to balance that out. Uh, we'll be doing things, we will be lifting as well, strengthening glutes, quads, hamstrings. Uh, you want your calves, ankles, Achilles, all those kind of things to be strong. Um, so there's a lot of different things we work on. And if, if we're going to supplement tra- training, for example, do cross training, uh, that depending on your coach or, or kind of what your means is behind doing it, um, there's a lot of athletes that will jump on a bike and, and do that as cross training or yeah, even get in the pool, swim or aqua jog as cross training. Uh, but a lot of that stuff is just to kind of lessen the load if you can fit that in within a week. But if you were to do that, you would do it maybe once a week or something as, as just a, um, an afternoon session just to maybe work a, a certain part of your body that you're not getting worked while you're running. Yeah, because I remember um, one of those great New Zealand running movies. I can't remember if it was John Walker or Arthur Lydiard or someone like that, and he saw horses being hose down with cold water at the end of the day and he thought oh, i'll do that to myself so he had this kind of cold water <laughs> hose down routine after he'd ran, ran ran through all these farms and um do you do you get much into like the cryo or the cold water or lots of massage uh, what's the what's the rehab look like yeah um it's interesting i i haven't heard that story before but it, that makes a lot of sense for how something like that would come about um yeah, I even at the moment while I while I'm in Auckland, um, I've been I've just started going to Sports Lab, uh, and there's they have the Recovery Lounge there, um, and so I've been using the Recovery Lounge for uh, hot and cold pools and using Normatec boots there uh, for for recovery type stuff. Uh, can be a lot of like foam rolling or even using that uh that r8 um roller thing which you saw me had have when i was at the airport at that time uh getting massaged doing physio there's a lot of rehab prehab stuff um which i'll be doing oh neat yeah i mean because that's where the gains are made aren't they often in the recovery and 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 kind of on that what's the i had a lot of friends go to collegiate systems and um I was trying to go there for golf actually at one point, but couldn't get a full scholarship with the NCA rules. But um, so I remember some of the stories coming back about the food and how. And I've travelled through the states a few times since, and yes, some of the food you get access to is not exactly uh, mm-hmm. uh, organic and 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 healthy. Like, how do you how do you eat, or what's the what's the diets diet nutrition side of it? Yeah, uh, yeah. So since since I've been over there, I was never in the the halls, thankfully, or in the dorms, or whatever. Um, so I I never had a meal plan or anything. I didn't have to eat what the university was providing, basically. Uh, so I was always flatting, and uh, I it's, I would argue that you can still get like you go to a supermarket. I always use sprouts and, and Flagstaff, for example, and there's still a lot of fresh produce. I think the benefit of even being in Arizona where I was, um, 
you're really close to California and you're also really close to um, South America where this is a bit of an assumption, but I'm thinking that's where a lot of the fresh produce is coming from. And a lot of it can be grown all year round. So for example, you have avocados that are basically in season and cheap almost for the entire year. And so for getting fruit and vegetable, definitely I, I had no issues with that. Uh, the the one thing can be the meat. Uh, over there, it's definitely being mass produced on a scale that that we're not used to over here uh, just because of the population. And so there's probably some hormones and, and things like that which are sneaking into your meats that are definitely not ideal. And that's something which I'm a little weary of because my understanding is that the um, – their food regulations are maybe a little bit more relaxed than New Zealand in terms of allowing certain hormones to be in the food. Uh, and when you're when you're traveling um, with the, when I was on the NAU team and we'd be traveling to certain meets, sometimes you just the only thing that's open at night when you're traveling is like a, a like a Denny's or some other kind of diner or something like that. And that's once you start getting to the point when the food starts getting quite a bit poorer. Um, but for the most part, I would say I was able to eat um, eat well, at least, yeah. I must be enjoying some uh, home-cooked meals when you get back to New Plymouth. Must be nice then. <laughs> oh, mate, definitely. And even having lamb. Like, I hadn't, I don't think I even touched lamb when I was over there. It's just it's a commodity. Actually, I just had a, had a thought. I was, I was looking at a lot of research with um, sleep lately how mm-hmm. you know even like eight less than eight hours sleep or you know when you get below seven hours it's kind of a 20 percent decline and um and and physical and, and cognitive performance is there a mm-hmm. do you have like quite a but then your, your mind is so strong as well then it can compensate for that but do you have like a really what's your like pre-race do you some pre-race rituals or uh little habits or things like you like to put in place is it is there music you crank um what kind of gets you in the zone yeah uh touching on the sleep thing i think definitely sleep is it's quite an underrated um importance for i i would sort of argue or not even athletes but just the general population um yeah, but on top of getting that eight to, to nine hours or, or whatever the ideal range is going to be for you, um, I find that even getting going to sleep and getting up at the same time, uh, I'd say that is almost just as important as getting that, that nine hours sleep. Because uh, if you, even as an athlete, like it can be, you want to be like every other person and you want to stay up late on the weekend or you want to do this and that. But once you start messing with your sleeping cycle, um, then that can have sort of, sort of ramifications down the line. Uh, but for me on, on, on like a race day, sort of, a uh, rituals or routines or anything I do, I, I definitely did used to use music to hype myself up. Uh, I, I remember even specifically before I won the the New Zealand Secondary Schools Cross Country back in 2012, and I had in my ears, uh, it was big at the time, Skrillex's, was it Bangarang or something? <laughs> but um, So I had that going hard in my ears when I was doing strides before that race, and I had a great race, and I won, and, and that was my first, first high school national title. But I learned later on that I – if I kept doing that, I was using way too much energy getting hyped before a race when ideally I want to be on that start line relaxed because I, if I'm using energy before the race to try and get myself excited, then that's energy I don't have when I'm racing. Uh, so I've, I've tried to find this balance where ideally I can get myself to a position where I don't really even start getting too nervous about a race until I'm just about to get on the line for it. Uh, whereas I used to get nervous th- the day before thinking about the race, but that's it, it was such wasted energy that I didn't need to be using. So now 
I, I sort of find ways to relax myself and, and I'll kind of, I'll talk with people around me and I find myself joking around with people a bunch. And if I listen to music, then it's, it's now a lot more relaxing and calming music. And then once I get on the start line, it's all business and, and we're all go. But in the lead up to a race, the, the more relaxed and calm I can be, uh, I find actually the, the better I perform because my mind isn't being clouded by trying to get myself into this hyper state that I don't actually need to be in. Yeah, I love that. I think it was um, Floyd Mayweather, a junior that was in uh, the world championship boxing match and he had a friend come in and his friend was like, I should leave you right now. And he's he's like, no, just stay. If I'm not ready now, I'll never be, you know, that I'm not ready. Like I've done yeah, the work yeah. and, and, um, and this, and I, I've got quite into meditation. I know that's quite big now and mindfulness and different ways to really calm the nervous system. And do you, do you meditate or have any other kind of nice ways to, to, to like you say, calm the mind? Yeah, no, I, I don't meditate, but funnily, it's actually something which I've thought a lot more about. I, I even, um, I was using like a, uh, listening to rain quite a bit when I've been sleeping recently. Um, and before the, the, the rain thing starts on YouTube, it always does an advert for the headspace app. And I found myself like I'd actually be listening to it. And I'm thinking like, this could, this could be a nice thing to download and, and actually spend a bit of time listening to. Um, I still haven't yet, but I think, that's that's maybe a piece of what I'm doing that's missing that I'm uh, not focusing enough on how to uh, sort of clear everything else from my mind and focus on what is happening in the moment. Um, that's an area where I've I feel like my training is at a good point, my nutrition is getting and is at a pretty good point, but the mindfulness and the sports psychology side of things is, is sort of my next step. I think that's the part which I'm, I'm just on the verge of really diving into. And so, I mean, for me, you would actually probably be a really interesting person to talk about with, um, how, how you approach that side of things. Oh yeah. Well, that's kind of what I'm, I seem to get more and more fascinated by, because it seems to be the thing that separates the, the greats from the people who just, you know, who are good. And, um, mm-hmm. but even just in life, there's, there's a great guy, Paul check, who's invented the Swiss ball and gut health. And he's, he just trained so many of the top athletes and like Michael Jordan's basketball team and a lot of the all blacks coaches and stuff all get stuff from him. Oh but yeah. He's got a great book and it's all about, you can work out and that's putting energy out but then what what do you do to work in? And so mm-hmm. he's got all these great Qigong exercises and meditations and um, to strengthen, to bring energy into the body. And I know I heard a couple of the collegiate coaches talking about how they had huge improvements, like 10, you know, not just like points of a percentage, but like 5, 10, 20% improvements in different um Statistics. I think this was in mainly in NFL, but with uh, Gong, But he had to call it something else because the, and the students or the collegiate wouldn't. They didn't. It was too. It was too much of a loaded word. Or it, it, <laughs> okay. yeah, they didn't. They wouldn't accept doing Gong, But he called it energy exercises or uh, mm-hmm. uh, some kind of mindfulness or something he kind of renamed it to get it in there and uh, so could, so the students would do it but yeah I think far out that's just another it's another world to um, dive into and Eckhart Tolle says like all the powers in the now so if you're present you're not losing energy thinking about the future or the past and for golf and tennis and it's so easy to get like five steps ahead of you as soon as you're take the lead or you hit a bad shot you 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 just lose that present moment and um yes i'd be really interested to to chat to you or to hear what what you uh whether it's a headspace app or um your paul chick's an amazing reference um but 
yeah, I think that'd be an awesome string to add to your add to your bow for not just running but every everything. Yeah, man, definitely. Yeah, and I I can definitely um, even with with them running, seeing that thing of of sort of looking five steps ahead. That it's hard when you're you have twenty five laps to do around a track to cover a ten k and and you're maybe a few laps in and you're already thinking about lap. 23 and 24 um whereas once you start thinking about how bad it's going to hurt on lap 23 um you're not thinking about how you're actually feeling on lap four um so i i feel like doing doing something where you can bring your mind back back and and there's something which i think through running i i just practice when i'm when i'm out training um or doing workouts that i just have to whatever set or whatever rep I'm doing in a workout, I have to focus on that one because once you start focusing on the, the fifth set of whatever you're doing, then suddenly you start thinking, I don't, I don't know if I can actually get there. Um, but if you focus on every set along the way, then, and, and you break it down like that, it makes it a lot, a lot easier and a lot more achievable. And it, it kind of teaches you that, your body can do it. That's, that's not the issue, but can your mind actually get you to that, that fifth set? Um, and if you're, you're already worrying about that on set one, then there's actually a good chance that it won't. Yeah, that's is so true. There's, um, yeah, it's, it's the, the power of the mind. It reminds me of, um, in that book, I think it's in born to run as well. There's a Russian, mm-hmm. Russian world champion runner and he, He'd never run the marathon before, and he was in the Olympic Games with the the marathon champion, and they at the halfway mark, and they were doing sub world record speed, and he asked the the British guy, "What, you know, is this normally how how fast you run the marathon?" And and the British guy trying to trying to outsmart him said, "Oh, we normally run like much faster for the first split." And so the Russian guy was like, oh, okay. And so he just took off and he, <laughs> and he just like cleaned up the marathon as well as like three other, three other events. And he just loved to run and he had, but he had no like baggage around like what to expect in the marathon. It was just really interesting. Um, like a, a, a bit like the four minute mile, like when it was broken, then everyone started to break it and it was yeah. like that mental barrier had been broken, but kind of on that note do you have any heroes uh or or role models or just people that get you excited for life i mean because we had nick nick willis has done uh really well the robinsons and running and and and, but maybe it's in other sports like um yeah is anyone that comes to mind that's that's been inspiring for you yeah i think um I I've actually as of, as of recently I've sort of drawn a lot of my inspiration out of just your general grinders. Uh, even when I was at NAU, a lot of my my inspiration was coming from guys who do the same sport as I do, but they're not they're not your Olympic champions. They're just the the guy next to me in a race who who everyone would say shouldn't be there, but that dude is taking a risk and, and doing something which, which maybe even he didn't think he could do. And, and so, although I appreciate the efforts of the greats and, um, and what people do at, at Olympics and world champs and at the pinnacles of our sport, um, I think you, you actually don't even have to look that far for inspiration. You can just look at your everyday runner for me in particular, who, is just grinding beside you or is, has kind of, I don't know, maybe they're never going to be an Olympic champion, but they're going to, they're going to run faster than they ever thought they could or, or anyone ever told them that they could. Um, and I think those are the people that, that, uh, when you look for heroes and you look for inspiration, sometimes you look uh, way too far ahead and it's a lot easier to, um, 
to miss the the real inspiration, which is literally right around you. And and I've had the benefit of being in the NCAA for the last three years and and seeing some phenomenal performances from from people almost coming out of nowhere, uh, and even from teammates doing incredible things, um, which which I never even thought was possible. And and so I would say that's where a lot of my inspiration comes from as of recently. Love it. Um... Uh, have you got a favorite collegiate story on because uh, there's so much uh, <laughs> I can't I, I guess kind of stereotypes around the US college system is uh, like the the party side and the um, the whole collegiate atmosphere but is it have you got a favorite story uh, or event that's um, that's been memorable during during your studies over there Oh man, yeah. It's there was. I'm trying to condense three years into trying to sift through and find something exciting for you. Um, but even let's just say for when we're talking on mindfulness. Uh, so we had our our coach at, at NAU, NAU, uh, Michael Smith. Uh, he came in the second year that I was there, and. In my last year, it was it was the semester before I um, before I finished my time competing for the university. Uh, he decided that he was going to bring a psychologist in. Uh, this this guy called Bert, who uh, our coach had a really good relationship and and had worked uh, worked with in the past. And and the one thing, so we had the our women's team uh, work with this guy, and then we worked with him. Uh, and the one thing the guys heard out of the women's team's meeting was that everyone cried. And so we were thinking like, oh, that's girls are crying. Yeah, rah, rah, rah. Um, but you have never seen a whole team of 20 dudes or whatever just crying, talking about, which it's probably sounds ridiculous, but um, talking about everyone's history and past and all that kind of stuff. And so this kind of ties back into almost what you were saying before, that um, probably one of my most special moments from being at NAU was being in our locker room with just the team, our coaches, and this guy, Bert, um, talking about basically everyone's history, talking about gratitude, and seeing some really deep, hard, um, emotional things come up. Uh, and a few months later, we towed the line together at nationals, and, and we win an NCAA national title as a team. And you've probably also never seen a group more emotional uh, in, in an NCAA cross country to to win for the for the third straight year because I think once we did that session with Bert that um, we sort of developed a, a sense of gratitude that maybe we didn't have in previous years and and so I think it was a combination of all that that you don't necessarily when you think of the NCAA you don't think of uh, it it being that personal, you, often people tell stories about you have a coach and you have a group of athletes which are kind of expendable, uh, whereas my experience with NAU was you had a team. There was no there was no expendableness about it. Um, and those are the stories which I would love to hear more coming out of the NCAA because uh, those are the ones which will hopefully motivate people to go to the right schools and find the right coaches and, and have a really good experience. Uh, so yeah, that's, although it's, it wasn't a, a crazy story, but that was probably one of the more special, uh, times I had at NAU. Oh, that's so, that's so perfect. That's so beautiful that, um, like, I mean, for me kind of growing up in sport and, and kind of a rugby's, you know, cricket school like you and, and, and not really having initiations as men. And uh, I joined this men's group with the guy Preston Smiles, who's a great coach, and mm-hmm. looking out how tribes brought men up, you know, that transition from boys, boy to men, um, and boy to a man, and, and how much like depression and issues we got in New Zealand in particular. And, I, and on this course, it's like successful people and young people and a whole mix of people from all around the world, um, all, all men, and... But everyone had been. I couldn't. I couldn't comprehend how many people had been abused and mm-hmm. the most horrific things they had received or they had done, or um, and all this unexpressed emotion and and 
and without judging, just to be able to listen to that and, like you say, connect on a whole different level. And and as a team, I could only imagine how powerful that is. That you actually feel like a team, and and like you say, the the gratitude and, and kind of on that. What what's what's really what are you so grateful for at the moment? Because it's something I'm so passionate about is, is gratitude every day and it's the antidote to kind of the stress of life and, and social media and all that kind of stuff is gratitude. So is there anything that comes to mind for for you at the moment? Yeah, I think uh, especially as I've kind of been going through uh, everything with my visa and trying to get back to the US, I think the biggest thing I've... I've come to be grateful for in, in the past few months is just the support team that I have around me. Uh, so that extends to like my family, even the Rogers, um, who I'm staying with at the moment and, uh, my coach, my agent, my, um, my sponsor, the just everyone sort of comes together and helps you out when you're in a position where, um, things are a little bit difficult and, and even I, I went through some rough patches where things weren't quite going right with um, with visas and stuff that I was trying to work on. And now I'm in a position where I'm just happy I can run and I'm just happy that this is something I get to do each day. And, and I get to do things like this where, where we get to have a conversation about running and mindfulness and everything that uh, if maybe I had a, a normal nine to five job that I, I wouldn't get to do. So I'm, I'm just grateful for this, this opportunity and the incredible people that I have around with and me at the moment and the, the incredible people that I get to meet along the way as well. Uh, that's so, that's so beautiful to hear your kind of mindfulness and, and gratitude around what you do. I feel like it's such a rare thing. Uh, particularly in kind of maybe pro sport but maybe it's not maybe it's um changing and uh, uh on kind of a, a more light-hearted note i <laughs> what what are the what are the things they don't tell you about running because i remember in cycling you get the the chafage and i remember um some of the running you get the the nipple chafage as well and yeah and like tanking my first pee on a bike and uh and what are the kind of uh What's the nitty-gritty stuff they don't tell you about when you're kind of doing those long cross-country events and that kind of thing? Yeah, man. The um, definitely. I mean, you probably have every sport has their their kind of gritty things when it comes to using toilets or whatever before meets and and I mean running in particular. You're you're out running for for a 10k for example you want to be clear like your system cleaned out beforehand and so runners can be pretty gross when it comes to that even for for world cross country for example and and um we're literally just about to get on the start line and this thing is going to be broadcast around the world and there's a stack of water bottles which are going to be used to hand out to runners afterwards and I look over there and there's just a runner kneeling down peeing on the bottom of where all the water bottle because there was nowhere else to go toilet because we're literally just about to go to the line. Um, and so you see that quite often when you're on the start line of a race, in particular a cross-country race, and f- mostly guys because guys have the benefit of being able to do this, that there's just dudes pissing all over the place. Every bush, like some guys aren't even subtle about it. They'll just, they'll just pee in the middle of a field or whatever, because when you're nervous, man, that you, that stuff flows pretty quickly. And you could have, you could have peed five minutes ago and then you're on the start line and you're busting to go. Um, so that's, and you want to be hydrated as well. So it's kind of like a, um, there's no escaping that, but that's probably the, one of the more nitty gritty things with runners is that everyone's just constantly peeing and you just hope, hope that you don't need to do it mid race basically. (laughs) Yeah. I love the, I love the kind of locker room behind the scenes stuff of all the sports because it's always, yeah, it makes it quite real. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think sometimes, yeah idolize these perfect people and it's just it's just a sport and person like anyone else and um and uh yeah i feel like you got such a great story and and philosophy on what you do and the love for your sport i mean 
was talking to Ryan Fox actually the other day, um, the golfer, because he, he used to play a lot with him, and he um, came up and stayed. And but his girlfriend does all his marketing and media for him now. Mm-hmm. But he was talking about. I don't think that's something he hasn't really looked at. But how fresh his perspective is as a Kiwi who's just you know he'll go out fishing and just wear shorts and jandals. He just is who he is, and and it's such a refreshing message. Um, I feel like you'd have something similar to that in terms of like it's such a great personality for marketing. Is that is that something you think about or that your agent does in terms of you know sponsors and pushing your image or even just promoting yourself on on social media because it's such a big part of anything now. Um, yeah, definitely. With the with the group that I'm a part of, uh, Hoka Northern Arizona Elite, where. Our group is big on telling our story, so you can even um, you can even log into Final Surge, uh, which is a training log website, and you can see all the training that I do. Uh, you just find the the NAZ Elite team, and um, you can see all the training that we do day to day, which is not a very common thing for runners to do because everyone's tends to be quite secret. You don't want to give away. Um, what you do but with our team at least um, we kind of got the opposite we're like well because our sport is often so hidden um, why not show it to the world and so that's one way uh, that our group sort of connects with people is with being so honest and and that's the same thing on social media as well that we'll maybe talk a little bit more openly and a little bit more honestly about what it's like in the day-to-day as a runner, what it's like going through maybe injuries or rough patches uh, and not hiding from the cameras when it comes to that stuff. And uh, I think if you do that, people actually appreciate it and it it, it helps with, with marketing yourself that you're not that athlete that people only ever see on the start line of a race. They, they see you at least through social media when – I don't know, you're you're off running for a week because you're injured or they see you when you're, they see exactly what kind of workouts you're doing. So they get to know whether you're fit or not going into this race or if you've been sick or you've had certain niggles. And um, so with our group and the honest approach that we take to it, uh, I think that's something a little bit different, uh, but something which has also worked pretty well for the group. And that's kind of how we, push ourselves and our our image to the public yeah i love that honesty and authenticity that's i look forward to um be able to follow you uh follow your progress where can people follow uh follow and keep up to date with you is it is it on that website surge or what's it where's yeah so you can um uh, if you go into the the Hoka Northern Arizona Elite website, uh, if you just Google search that, then you can basically see everything that that the team is up to. Uh, you can go into Final Surge, and you can see uh, all of our training that will come up there. I don't I don't know exactly if it comes up day to day or, or week to week, but that's readily available to anyone who wants to see it. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram. It's just Matthew Robert Baxter or uh, you can follow me on Twitter as well, Matt R. Baxter. Um, that's kind of the best place where I'm, I'm putting information about myself at least up. Beautiful, brother. And um, and what would be a, a, a one last parting bit of advice for an aspiring runner or just uh, a message from your, your 24 years uh, circling around the sun? Yeah, man, I think – the the biggest thing is is be patient and appreciate the place that you're in. Uh, this I think this this applies to every sport. That when you're young in particular, you you spend a lot of time looking ahead. That while you're you're winning your school cross countries or while you're winning track meets or um, racing school or running school records or even just doing running personal bests even at that time you're thinking about, Oh, how fast am I going to run when I finish high school? Or you have these huge aspirations of going to the Olympics, which is awesome, but appreciate that, that personal best you just ran and don't compare yourself to other people. Uh, this is true across every sport, but for running in particular, 
that just because you're not you're, you're not running as fast as someone when you both are 16 that doesn't mean that by the time you're 25 you're not going to be running four or five minutes faster than that person um you've got to be patient and let you got to let your body grow um and just the biggest thing like i was saying is just appreciate the moment you're in uh because the sport doesn't last for ages um and you don't want to look back on those moments and almost forget how it felt to be in that moment because going back to mindfulness you weren't present in it uh, so to any young runner that's thinking about continuing the sport after high school, have that as a, as a, as a goal for sure, but enjoy everything that you're doing now. Be just passionate about the sport and don't be afraid to, to try different things and come back to running. Uh, if you, you struggle with it right now, um, no sport has to, um, has to keep you locked inside of it just because you're a soccer player now doesn't mean you can't be a a rugby player in the future or just because you're a runner now doesn't mean you can't be a a tennis player in the future just just go with it where wherever your body and your mind are taking you and and enjoy it oh, it's such a beautiful place to end it and and so much gratitude for your your time matt and um and uh, for the, the inspiration and the energy and the, the positive vibes you're putting out there, it's so great to always see a, a Kiwi on the, on the world stage and, um, and doing it with such humility as well. It's, uh, it's beautiful. So, yeah, it's so great to see, see you and looking forward to following your, following your progress. Yeah, awesome, Doug. Man, I, I appreciate us, us bumping into each other at the airport. It's funny how something like that can turn into something like this. So thanks thanks a lot for having me on your podcast, man. It, it, uh, it's always nice talking about yourself and talking about something that you're passionate about, um, but also talking about talking to someone um, who can teach you a little bit about something. Uh, I hope that through doing this podcast, you might learn a few things about me, but also you've helped teach me a little bit more about mindfulness and, and about where you're coming from. So I appreciate that. Beautiful. Yeah. The universe works in uh, mysterious ways when you <laughs> kind of get out of your <laughs> head. Sweet dude. It was All nice right. talking to you. Likewise. Appreciate it. Oh la la. So what did you think? That was a, a question you can answer that. Let me know on the Instagram, on the Facebook, on in real life. There's a thing called real life. Um, Sometimes we're so much on our devices, we forget the world is made for living. Get out there, get after it, run some trails, get inspired by Matt. I love his message of just being in the moment. So true. And make sure you follow Matt on the Instagram uh, and online. I think he's a man that's really going to keep stepping into the limelight. (laughs) Excuse the pun. And if you enjoyed the episode, we'll... I guess the, the biggest thanks would be to share it, to leave a review, to, ha- to leave a comment uh, on iTunes would uh, really help me push the podcast and, and get up the, the ratings. And, um, and the other thing is sign up to the email list, dugit.nz. I'm going to be giving away some sweet prizes, books, uh, opportunities to go on some retreats, all kinds of goodies that will take your life to the next level, your daily dose of vitamin D-O-U-N-G. So sign up for the email, leave a comment, review, much love. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Think less, experience more, run more, and hope you dug it.